This is Jan Cox, talk number 2,564, recorded August 14th, 2000. Here's the news for the night. The behavior of red and blue circuit wolves is constantly affected by their great concern over their position in the pack. The yellow circuit wolves are continually concerned about controlling the behavior of the red and blue wolves. And when it comes to the infrequent occurrence of a solitary wolf appearing who personally undertakes to stop it, we must ask ourselves, what the hell is he doing here? Now, look down deep into the hierarchy of your own mental wolf pack and ponder a similar question. When it comes to the question of exactly what is it that the few are trying to stop, look at it this way. Instinct can't be stopped. So what does that leave? And by the way, no matter what tentative answer you may come up with, you're still faced with this question. What is there about man that does not arise from his instincts? So, since instinct can't be stopped nor abandoned, can you see how many of the common efforts to achieve the goal are totally inappropriate and useless? The only proper aim is to stop it, whatever you decide it to be. One man lived most of his life uptown, though at times he would venture down into the older, less sophisticated parts of the city. There is a way in which the you that seems most native to the uptown, yet who often feels uncomfortable there, can go down into the less fashionable areas while not losing its normal sense of identity, and in fact gaining a fresh sense of belonging, a surprising satisfaction of being in the right place. The brain lives in the head, and so apparently does the mind. But does is not the same thing as must. The unique, unique talent of the mind is in its ability to send its consciousness anywhere in the entire universe. So, while a man's consciousness of himself as being a conscious creature seems to reside naturally in his head, What's to stop him from moving it, oh, let us say, well, down to the small of his back. And a father says to a son, I keep telling you, posture's important. Straighten up, posture's important. After once again berating himself for mechanical yellow circuit activity, one man said to himself, Ah, don't be so hard on your mind. Followed instantly by, but if I don't do it, who will? Which, if things had gone better, would have been immediately followed by him saying, but how do I continue to talk as though I still believe that I and my mind are two different things? But alas, I guess you can't have everything. Can you? But hey, even I can answer that one. You can have good posture, and you can even get out of the house more often. Go downtown, maybe. And every time you say the word I to yourself, you can simultaneously think the word mind, and vice versa. And oh yeah, you can continually be chewing on the chalk question, what exactly are you trying to stop in the attempt to stop it? All in all, just don't be so hard on your mind. <clears throat> but of course, always still be thinking, but if I'm not, who will be? Followed immediately by the recollection that you know full well that there is not a whit of difference between you and your mind so that you can't be hard on it or not be hard on it. Which hints already at the more advanced version of trying to stop it, which is the approach of not trying to stop it, which itself is just a preparatory step to an even superior 
procedure, <clears throat> which I'm going to try to refrain from going into tonight. And related to what I've just said, one man presented me with this, quote, but I, and one man presents me with this, <laughs> but I'm not always hard on my mind. Sometimes, like when I stumble or drop something, I'm hard on my body for acting dumb. To which I replied, okay, sir, I know what you're saying. But in such, an inst in such instances, are you sure that it is your body that deserves the blame? The man seemed to ponder this strenuously for a moment. Then his eyes suddenly brightened and he replied, oh, I see what you mean. You're saying that if the activity of my mind hadn't distracted my body in some way, that it wouldn't have stumbled or been clumsy. To which I replied, No, sir, that is the sort of thing I would have been inferring to you years ago. Your grasp of what actually is going on now should be beyond that. This comment again sent the man into seeming deep reflection. And after a bit he said, Okay, let me get this straight. If I stumble or drop something, and it's not simply my body's fault, and it's not the fault of my mind for somehow having distracted my body and causing me to be to so misstep, then who the hell's fault is it? What is the cause of all my stupid behavior? And just what is going on in all of this? Anyway, since almost all possibilities I can now come up with, you shoot down. I'm tired of it. I'm sick of it. Do you hear me? I don't think I can take much more. End quote. He may be finally about to catch on. I said maybe. Now today's pop quiz. What is the practical distinction between an ordinary man and one who knows what's going on? An ordinary man is always busy. Busy, 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 busy. Plus, he has bad posture. Talk much, sleep much. Become emotional, become emotionally deluded. Be fixed and certain, and be for certain enslaved. Such are the unannounced consequences of several well-known human inclinations. The secret to a relaxed life is, don't be inclined. One man stopped attending ballet performances after he heard that they were fixed. Yet another example of the easy ability the yellow circuitry has to overwhelm the other ones no matter how absurd may be the circumstances to an outside observer. But hey, to an inside observer, that is, to the mind itself, nothing it can think of is ever too ridiculous to not be possibly so. It is precisely this singular dumbfounding talent that makes human progress a reality and this very same automatic ability that makes a few humans reflect on the products of their mind and say, Huh? After hearing what's been said tonight regarding the aim to stop it, one man says, I have given serious thought and I am inclined to agree. He obviously wasn't listening when the warning was issued, don't be inclined. Being inclined is the seed for becoming certain. And becoming certain is part of what the alert men are trying to stop. After hearing much said regarding the aim of stopping it, one man says, I have given this serious thought and am inclined to agree. And I said, sir, I just responded to that. I just covered my own sloppy typing ass. When one man saw a book titled, It's Not Your Fault That You're an Alcoholic, his mind immediately said, yeah, but it's your fault that you haven't stopped drinking. But then the man instantly realized, it's not your fault that your mind thinks that it's you. But it's not your fault if you don't do anything about it. He then left the bookstore, a grinning and a humming, and walking with great posture. 
Headline regarding causes. Causes manifest themselves in man's yellow circuitry. And a man dedicated to a cause is a man who feels that his lower circuitry has little cause to be alive. Such people should get out of the house more often, visit other parts of their city, and for God's sake, stand up straight. Did I not tonight somewhere amongst these several news items regarding posture use the modifier inner posture? Do I have to? Do I have to treat you like children? No, Papa. One man tells us, used to be that my greatest interest in life was in waking up. But now my interest is in understanding why I wanted to awaken. And may I say that is that that is the interest precisely that most benefits and most befits a man wanting to awaken. Headline, more about posture. Men seem inclined to naturally slump in the yellow and blue circuits. No, wait a minute. <clears throat> Let me get this straight. Let me get it right. Men seem inclined to naturally want to slump in the red circuit. Red circuit. Then are unnaturally so inclined to do so in their yellow and blue circuits. Wait, wait, hold it. Sounds like I got it mixed up again. Let me start over. Slumping in all of the circuits seem to be the condition most natural to man. Yeah, that sounds more like it. But still, I'm not positive that that's entirely correct. Oh, hell, you people know what I'm trying to point out. Right, Papa? Okay, you're the one that's straight. The courses you follow in all three circuits which originally felt natural to you and which you continue to pursue through habit, no matter their particular manifestation, are your form of slumping. And there is only one cure for slumping. Stop it. It's all a matter of posture, internal posture. A boy asked his father, can you be sociable and be awake? And his elder replied, if you do it very, very carefully. Very. Even in affairs that are presented as being spontaneous, but which by common knowledge are scripted, such as professional wrestling, the audience, in playing its role, will express an intensified level of displeasure if the villain's mistreatment of the hero goes beyond what they've normally come to expect. The miscreant behavior was simply too much, even for a fixed event. Now, folks, sports fans, are you able to visit this matter in the arena of consciousness as concerns how certain ideas want to manhandle your mind, and moreover, how you're always ready to Boo! Such goings on. Did I hear a request to reread it? <laughs> Based upon this total lack of any sort of recognition. I mean, even in the dark, based on what I've seen in National Geographic, out in the plains, on an over, you know, a dark night, you can sit there at midnight and look out and see the little eyes of lions and get some idea. You can just see from the shape whether they're looking kind of mad or angry or perplexed. But I got nothing. How do you guys? All right. Here it is again. Even in affairs that are presented as being spontaneous, but which by common knowledge are scripted, such as professional wrestling, the audience, in playing its role, will express an intensified, an unusual level, surprising level of displeasure if the villain's mistreatment of the hero goes beyond what they've normally come to expect. This misgrant behavior was simply too much, even for a contest that was fixed. And then I ask you, can you apply this matter 
in the arena of consciousness and see how there are certain ideas. I won't point out who's the hero and who's the villain. There are certain ideas that want to manhandle your mind. Not only that, constantly doing it, but not only that, but then you play your role apparently because you're also continually ready to boo and hiss. How dare you? Or, oh, maybe this will help. <laughs> At the bottom of the page. What a surprise. Or the matter could be put in another context. Well, please do so. Well, I am if you'll shut up. Thank you. A man could not do himself more good in trying to see through all of the smoke and noise and get to the bottom of things than to inquire most vigorous, vigorously into this question. Whenever I feel displeasure at something I have said or done, no matter where exactly in me is the part that feels this displeasure, <clears throat> let me reread it as it should be reread. I'm saying that you could not do yourself any better than to inquire vigorously into this question. Whenever I feel displeasure at something I have said or done, where exactly in me is the part that feels this displeasure apart from the part that it is displeased about? Relentlessly prosecuting an investigation of this question and nothing else would surely cause a man to eventually realize what's going on. Or... Perhaps if his posture be bad, drive him crazy. Or into professional wrestling. Well, hey, if you're going to stay entangled in a fixed game, why not get paid something for your effort? You'll have to translate it. If you're going to believe you're asleep and believe you're trying to wake up and keep participating in what I say is a fixed contest, at least get paid for it. The insinuation being... What are we getting paid for this? Back to the news. It is a well-known retail axiom that if a certain type of business has failed in a certain location, then any subsequent enterprise of the same sort will also almost assuredly fail. Who is prepared to apply this to their own mind and its own particular brand of attempted business? Repeated monotonous failure never discourages morons, <laughs> nor routine businessmen. That is, men conducting the affairs of their mental life in a purely routine fashion. While the goal of all such activities as this is to stop it, until this is fully achieved, each man has his own impression of exactly what it is that he's trying to stop. But in the end, it is all the same for everyone. Everyone simply wants to stop it. Well, I was going to start talking about the metaphor of professional wrestling. And, but after reading it twice, I'm sure that you extracted all of the marrow. No, I'm not. But this one comes to mind. It is a certain well-known retail action that if a type of business failed in one location, any subsequent attempt of a similar business will also almost inevitably fail. Now, I say that's a well-known retail axiom. Perhaps it's not to you people. But actually, this is one of those, quote, well-known proverbs or maxims that I didn't make up. I actually heard this one years ago. And there is supposedly, first time it struck me. Anyway, this, I read it was presented as solid sociological investigation that somebody working on their doctorate probably years ago had heard a similar comment and picked it out as a subject and ran with it and presented in some great detail, as I recall. The fact that if, say, a restaurant opens the corner of Fifth and Main and the restaurant goes bust, assuming it had decent capitalization, they gave it a good shot. Plenty of advertising, good cooks, and yet, almost inexplicably, the business failed. The sociologist, as I said, I, I'd even heard it before from people in retail, people in uh, commercial real estate, seemed aware of it just through experience. But at any rate, then sit, there would sit the building, there would sit the equipment, 
and someone else was culminary, cult, culinary entrepreneurial aspirations would look at it and be able to buy it for a few cents on the dollar and think, well, he's already done publicity. Everybody knows that there was a fine restaurant here at the corner of 5th and Main, so I'm already got a leg up. All I got to do is I'll change the menu. I'll turn it into a Chinese restaurant. If it's Chinese, I'll turn it into a Mexican. If it's Mexican, I'll turn it into Tibetan. But at any rate, somebody else goes in there. And again, assuming they have good capitalization, they give it a good shot. The sociologist and, as I said, people with knowledge of it, it's come to pass. It is a proven fact that it's almost inevitable. I remember the sociologist had it down to, as you might imagine, more precise facts, such as if it fails twice. Then the odds of it, if it fails once, the odds of it failing a second time was like 50%. If it fails twice, same kind of business. Then the odds are like up to 80%. If it fails four times, it's up to something like 95%. And yet people, maybe you never noticed it, but people will continue to do it. It just seems right. Well, yeah, the other guy before me went broke, but he didn't know how to do it. There's the equipment. It's already set up as a restaurant. You can probably get a good deal on it. But there's just something that just draws people. Guys have been driving by there for years, and they've seen there's been several restaurants. They've even eaten there. Found that it goes bankrupt for the third or fourth time. This over a period of maybe a few years. And a couple of people pool their money thinking, we got a chance. It's for rent. Here's our chance to finally go in business for ourselves and open a restaurant. We won't make their mistakes. Nobody knew what they were. Anyway, we won't make their mistakes, and they go in there. But if it's already failed... Like I said, it was something like, I think, three or four times, and the odds were way over 9% that you would fail, too. All right. That is a well-known axiom, that if a certain kind of business fails in a certain location, then a subsequent attempt to put a similar type business in there is almost certain to fail. I don't know how long I've known that and never thought to use it. Subject just happened to come up a few nights ago. It is beautiful. It was to me. I knew I'd been remembering it for some reason. Because I remember so much useless crap. It's easier for me to say I knew there'd be a reason. I guess I hope there'll always be. No one finds that delightful concerning what goes on the business of your thinking. Look at your mind. A particular part of your brain is being fifth in main. But you can't look for other people. You cannot look for other failed restaurateurs you there's nobody in there but you and you know that because you keep saying that but at any rate it's like you set up a business there you opened up for business and I know it doesn't seem to be that blunt well or that direct that plain that you failed at the business but let's look at it this way did the business succeed but did that stop you and if you'd prefer rather than the business fail because to actually carry the metaphor from real life into your brain, it sort of weakens there because you'd have to think, well, I shut down part of my brain or I went crazier. But it's like you just abandon it. You just walk away from the business finally that you know, I'm hemorrhaging money. If it was a business, maybe you don't even have money to hire an attorney to legally go bankrupt. It's very common for people in retail business they just finally get to the point they're so behind in paying their suppliers that one day the owner just doesn't show up. If he's a decent sort, he may leave the key laying the floor of the business inside the door so that the real estate agent can find the key eventually. But many times people just walk off. There's nothing else to do. You just can't. You got no more money to lose, and they just walk off. The business still failed. Nobody finds that to be so applicable? If you don't, I'll tell you this, you should. The way I see it, under all sorts of conditions, of attempting to do this, not to mention ordinary life, but in attempting to do this, is in a sense, the way I see it, is people continue from their unstated view. They continue to try and open a new business at the same location. Because, I mean, what a location... Do you think you have? What other location seems to be available? And so you keep opening up, but it's like one of them fails, and you'll open up another one. 
and it fails. And you feel as though, I suggest, you've got to find your own way of seeing this. I could talk all night and probably not make you see it. You've got to discover it in yourself, but it's as though you believe that I'm making effort. I've made a new discovery. I'm more awake. I can see myself better than I did. Of course, the really shitty one is, now I finally see myself totally. That's worse than I'm seeing myself better. That's being certain. But at any rate, it's as though one of the enterprises, one line of your effort failed. And sort of before you know it, without any great awareness of it, it's just you abandon that business. It's as though you lock the door and walk away and just never come back. You may not even say, well, I'll never do that again. I won't even try that anymore. It's just you sort of shrug your shoulders and wander off. And maybe at the time, thinking to yourself, I may not come back. And sure enough, you feel like you don't. And then later you feel as though you have gone back. But it's a whole new day. And you open up a new enterprise at the same location, ignoring the well-known retail axiom that says. I've even heard people in business say that a location is jinxed. Now, I've heard people say that who were successful businessmen in the neighborhood. Men who were not given to astrology and witchcraft, if you know what I mean. But they would simply look at each other, hip businessmen. So there's no doubt about it. That place looks delicious. Fifth and Main, if you heard about it and were from out of town, knew anything about the city, you'd think, God, I'd give a right arm for that location. But one guy will look at another one. Maybe both guys have businesses in the neighborhood. One of them look at the other and say, but you know what? That damn location, that corner is jinxed. And other businessmen will nod like, yeah. But they probably wouldn't take it if somebody gave them free rent for a year. They're convinced that you know, nothing's going to go there. Nobody finds anything similar. You never felt like that you were jinxed? I don't mean in your life. I mean jinxed. And I keep going to the same place in my head and I keep going, well, i got to stop this. I gotta quit letting my mind wander like that. I gotta stay more alert. I don't think people give enough thought to such delightful words, such useful modifiers as monotonous. Monotonous. How about a combo? Relentlessly monotonous. It's the monotony that has no mercy on you. It never eases up. That's like relentless. But notice I didn't say like relentless pounding. I haven't taken us back to those kind of metaphorical, metaphysical scenarios that the enemy, mechanical consciousness, is constantly attacking us, beating away at us, trying to keep us asleep and dis distracted. How about this? It's just relentlessly monotonous. I say that if you get far enough in this, maybe that's a test. I should have written this as some sort of news item. A way to test. A guy asked a mystic, is there a way I can test? I've been in this a good while. I feel more or less pretty positive about what I am doing and have accomplished. But still, sometimes it feels like I go through slack periods. So is there some way that you can really tell if you're making overall permanent progress, and the mystic said, well, you are if you have gone from originally feeling, when you first undertook the search for enlightenment, the struggle to achieve the inner liberation, if you felt as though there was something opposing you, that was just beating on you, just always right against you and pushing, and you'd give a little push forward and then push back. You know what I mean? The guy said, yeah. Go, all right, if you can go from that, if you've gone from that, and you're at the point now that that's not really the way you feel about it, it's now you feel like instead of I'm about to be or possibly are going to be beat to death and defeated by the forces, the active forces of opposition here in the mechanical world, it's more like I may die of small-time boredom. Maybe that's why I didn't write the news item. Slight but relentless irritation? How would that be? Instead of these gigantic cosmic forces 
always pushing against me and pounding on me. It's like a constant array of gnat bites, flea bites. They're relentless, unchanging, and they're only flea bites, but God damn, are they relentless. No? Well, that's what happens when you keep opening up for business in the same location. I can't resist. All of you seem to have already done something on your own. But about the affairs in life, and I know of no greater example. It's just perfect. If for no other reason, I think life came up with professional wrestling. Just so, on this night, August the 14th, 2000, that sooner or later I could use it, and it happened tonight. Hey, you don't know how important I am. Life came up with a whole smear of professional wrestling, billion-dollar industry, hundreds of thousands of people or thousands of people involved with it. And I say, I mean, it's one of the things I look at and I thought, Jesus, it's not bad enough we've got soap operas for women, now we've got soap operas for men. You know, what kind of wasted effort that I spoke too soon? Because now I realize life did all that just for me and you, of course, so that I could come up with this example. I guess you can erase that in case the public, anybody ever orders this tape, be sure. Since I continue to get serious responses from strangers every time I do something like that. I was going to say, maybe humor such as that, that kind of dry, or that kind of unexpected satire does not translate that well just on audio. But that's not true either. I could have people, the kind that write me, sitting right here, and I'd get through the night. They would go and grab me and say, hey, this thing about professional wrestling. I think, God, get me out of here. At any rate, what it said was, and I found, I just want to be sure that I'm encouraging you to get even more, even though you might have gotten something. That when you have events going on in life, and I chose my words very carefully. Maybe I should reread it. Same on me if I can't do it from memory. Even in events that are presented as being spontaneous, but which by common knowledge are known to be scripted. That's just the first part of the opening sentence. Even in events that are presented as being spontaneous. That is not ordinary the men's attitude and view of life that life's a spontaneous thing. I'm spontaneous. Other people are spontaneous. Other people's actions are unpredictable. Life's unpredictable. You never know when you'll get killed. You could die on the way home tonight. Oh, what a spontaneous affair. And me, I'm a free spirit. I'm always thinking, thinking about new things, trying new experiences. Hell, I surprise myself. My mama, my first wife, all my girlfriends, everybody said, boy, you're really a shocker. You always come up with something new. Aha, I even surprised myself. Is that not a fact? All right, back to the sentence, the opening sentence. Even in affairs that are presented as being spontaneous, but which by common knowledge are scripted. Now, see, this is why I give credit to professional wrestling, because I cannot think of another thing that fits as an example. If we didn't have professional wrestling, I guess I'd just have to come up with something which I'd have had to stop really. Anyway, it wouldn't have been near as pithy. I would have come up, I guess, with a Broadway play, a drama, and say, well, if you're sitting there and get caught up in it, you're supposed to take it as being the actors walk on the stage and the whole thing is spontaneous, whereas you know it's not. But it would take me two or three minutes to get that across, whereas if you are hip enough or unhip, as the case may be, to be familiar with professional wrestling, it is the one and only example an affair, an event that is presented on the surface is being spontaneous. we got a contest, two guys are going to wrestle. God knows what will happen. They both come out now and rant and rave, and as these whole storylines are going on about the complaints they have of one another, one's obviously the good guy. You can tell the crowd has a, their hero, and they have their villain. So, here it goes. Even in events that are presented as being spontaneous, but which by common knowledge are in fact scripted, such as professional wrestling, now, here's what happened, if I didn't make it clear enough. 
because I have watched and I have seen it. The audience, in playing its role, will express an intensified, a surprising. They will express what is, in fact, I could rewrite it, a spontaneous increase in the intensity of their expressed displeasure when, and I've seen it happen, I could just tell from their reaction, it is not what, generally, one of the, the villains starts beating up the hero, gets them out and beating them with chairs and throwing them around. If you've ever seen it, you know how it goes. And then something, just periodically, at times I've seen it, something will happen, and you've got to give them credit. I mean, it, it takes better than at least equal to ballet ability, in my opinion, to be able to do all this without getting killed. It is truly a spectacle to see. But at times you can tell, to be expected, at least among them, that something gets out of hand. A guy accidentally hits one too hard or hits him with the edge of the metal part of the chair instead of the seat, or the guy is knocked down and accidentally hits his head when he didn't intend to, and now he's a little pissed and he gets up and hits the other guy, the villain, or the hero, whereas the hero didn't even intend. Anyway, for a moment you can tell that the passion between the two guys of hand, and it's usually the villain mistreating the hero, that seems to be the way the, the only time the audience notices. And you can hear it, even on TV. I can feel it. I know what happened, that the people that could see it and aware of what's going on, up to then they've been playing their role. And their role is as scripted as the wrestler's. And, of course, the wrestler's role is not scripted down to every move. The main scripture is, is don't kill each other. And... One guy's already been determined to win. That's the two main areas of scripting is don't don't hurt each other. And, you know, he wins. And maybe keep it within 30 minutes. But anyway, right, so, but the point is it is not scripted down to every move. It's not even scripted down to particular moves, probably. All right, the audience, their role is scripted, but also there's a looseness to it. And you can hear it, it goes up and down, they get all excited, and then they get calmer, and then rah, 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 all in one match within a matter of minutes. But what I'm saying is there are times that if you can, anyway, there are times that obviously the intensity of the action between the wrestlers was surprising. It was not within the normal confines of the script. And when that happens, the audience, at least the ones that can get up closer, close enough to feel it or to see it, they become aware of it. In the role they've been playing a boo-boo and ha-ha and whatever they're doing, suddenly it goes up a discernible notch. In other words, it's almost like this. I want you to get the point. It's almost there for a few seconds. It's very close to the fact that those two guys actually were getting into it for whatever reason, just an accident that one knocked the other guy when he wasn't, a, you must know what I mean, and just passion. That there for a couple of seconds, two or three blows, it gets out of hand, and one guy really tries to deck the other one. And people close enough to be around it, they're aware of it, the audience. They're aware, ah, ah. And the role they're playing gets out of hand. They become more passionate. It gets outside the script, and you can hear it, you can feel it through the airways of, ah, ah, ah. It's a fact. Whether you've ever witnessed it or noticed it or not, that happens. It's as though the audience is saying that, hey, you know, that's too much even for a fixed game. You know what a fixed game is, for a fixed match. You know, we know the damn thing's scripted. We know they're not trying to kill each other. We know that, you know, but anyway, what they're saying by their intense expression of displeasure is that's too much. That's too much even though the thing's fixed. Now, as soon as I realized that, I was glad I had on professional wrestling and had the TV on because I immediately almost fell on the floor over the delight. As always, I stuck it all inside the human head. And I realized that same thing goes on. And I don't know whether you've already got it, whether you got it earlier if you didn't, I'm not sure that me talking another 15 minutes would help. But that same thing goes on. Could I remind you, a couple of weeks ago I wrote a news item. It's not the first time I'd written about it. It said a boy asked his father. He said, can you explain something to me? 
He says, I'll be listening to a conversation between two people. And at times I am just dumbfounded over the fact that I'm aware. I know this, and it'll, but it'll suddenly strike me while I'm listening to an interesting conversation. An intellectually stimulating conversation. Good verbal byplay between the people. And I'll be listening to it. Be interested in it, and it'll suddenly strike me how absolutely inexplicable it is that they're doing this when I know. Obviously, the kid had been through the thing about what are you going to say next. His father put him to you. He said, when I know that neither one of them are planning what they're going to say. And but one of them makes some witty comment, bring up some point, and just immediately, he'll just pause like, did you get it? Another guy will nod, and just immediately come back with an equally witty, poignant, pertinent comment and then maybe the other guy himself will smile and nod his appreciation and go, yeah, but. And he says, I look at it, and I can't understand how this flow, this seamless flow from one human to another, and neither one are planning what they're going to say. Neither one certainly knows what the other one is about to say, so he can't plan what his retort's going to be. And yet it's almost as though it's scripted. This flow goes on. It is seamless. It can be awe-inspiring. And it's unbelievable when you know, when you realize, when you think about the fact that no one is planning it. And he says, how can this be? And his father says, well, you're looking at the wrong way. It's not a flow going on. It's not a conversation thing, but it's not this flow going on between two humans. It's a flow going on inside of life itself. See, this is almost backwards from that kid's view. As you listen to a good conversation, a witty conversation between two people, which I guess you might not find it inside of every bricklayer's bar, but all of you people are certainly capable of doing it. You hear a witty conversation that goes on over a period of minutes between two people who are enjoying the conversation, who are interested in the topic, who have a good vocabulary, who have an quick mind, but you know how it goes. You can listen to it, and it is enjoyable hearing the dialogue between the two. And it is though, you would think, well, that's almost scripted. Of course, you don't normally, people do not normally stop and think about it. But when it's good, it sounds like a movie, which is why the movie sounds, sounds stilted, unless you get all caught up in it, to hear a witty dialogue going on, because it is not what normally goes on in life. But, when it does go on, if I stop and I said, that is so good, it sounds like a movie, doesn't it? And you go, yeah. And I go, in other words, it, you'd think it was scripted. It flows so seamlessly. One guy says one thing, and the other guy waits just the right kind of beat, gives you the right time, and he goes, yeah, that's true, but, and he makes even a wittier comment, expanding the subject, bringing in new examples. Then the first guy says, ooh, aha. Uh -huh. He said, but now that you mentioned that, and then he brings up something else. He ties it into a new area with still some pertinence. And you listen and you think, well, it's almost like hearing an opera song. It's almost like hearing uh, a duet. But that they're singing from a script. They're singing from a libretto. You know, the man singing, well, I'll always love you. And she says, yes, but will you love me when you have to go away to war? Yes, I'll write you every day. And she says, every day? He says, well, most every day. And each one just flows seamlessly. One person says one thing. You listen to a conversation. And from one view, if you stop talking about it, you would think it sounds scripted when you know it's spontaneous as far as spontaneous goes. Just the opposite of what I was saying. The wrestling match appears to be spontaneous, and yet you know it's scripted. But in either case, if you look at one or the other and say, well, it's either scripted or it's spontaneous, how does, how does one wrestler know what the other one's going to do if it's not actually choreographed like, they, they actually write out uh, the steps of ballet or choreographer. They've got their own series of notation. But I assume you people do know that wrestlers can't do that. They don't do that. It's just they've had enough experience and practice, and they're good athletes, that they can do it without hurting each other. Make it appear as though we're almost hitting each other, and I grabbed you by surprise and threw you around like that. But most of those throws and what's going on is when one guy grabs a number and throws him over his head, the other guy is mostly jumping over his head. In case you don't look and see.
once he grabs him by the you know, front of the trunks and then puts his hand on his head or grabs him by the hair and leans over like I'm going to toss you over my head like a cartwheel. As soon as he does that, the other guy realizes what he's trying to do. And if you look, he squats down. The guy about to be thrown, he already squats down. He's doing acrobatics. And this guy's just kind of holding on to his trunks and hair, and the other guy jumps over his head and turns a flip, lands on his back. But it all seems so seamless. Is it scripted or is it spontaneous? And back to my question, I don't know whether anybody's ever going to get this. When it seems to get out of hand, when if it's scripted, the spontaneity gets out of hand, or if it's spontaneous, the scripting gets out of hand. Really fuck it up. Why is it that the audience playing their role, and you do have an audience, remember, because to be conscious, you've got a speaker and you've got a listener. That is, you've got, in speaking, that is thinking in your head as a form of behavior, so you've got somebody wrestling. You've got somebody jumping around, wrestling with themselves, and then you've got an audience. You. That's what's known as self-awareness. But there are instances, I say, that are not that infrequent, wherein the activity in your head gets beyond what you normally expect, what you've come to expect. It's like somebody begins to play dirty, and suddenly you're booing. Your part, you get more spontaneous, or you get more passionate. Of course, you don't necessarily boo and hiss, but what do you do? Your self-condemnation takes on an added edge. Need I carry it any further and say, if you realize that, of course, all you're going to do is feel like a boob. <laughs> that here I have been sitting out in the midst, in the middle, right face on into a fixed event. It's rigged. They're always rigged. Of course, you get real good. You people are supposed to know life is rigged. That's why there's only one great conspiracy. That's life, if there is one. But to find that I have been amidst a fixed event, it's always fixed. And yet at times, and I knew it. That's what I was referring about the audience. They know that it's scripted within certain boundaries. But they know it's scripted. They know that what they're seeing is not what it appears to be. It's not two guys trying to hurt the other one. Contraire. That is not what's going on. But then if it gets outside the normal expectations of the scripted event, the fixed event, the audience, and I say us, a man's attitude toward what's going on in his head, will itself take on an increase momentarily, an increase of passion as the fixed event seems to threaten to get outside the limits of the script, what's expected, and begins to wander off into an area of spontaneity, which could always lead to chaos, disorder, then the audience becomes automatically more chaotic and disorderly. And it seems to fit. Like, well, come on. That's too much even for a fixed event. But then what if you suddenly came to your senses and realized what I was saying and thought, wait a minute, I'm staying up in a crowd of drunken bricklayers, plumbers, strictly our intellectual peers. Here I am in the midst of them, and I'm hooping and hollering, threatening to throw something up in the ring, and this is a professional wrestling match. Well, somebody, it may be so common now, it's been many decades since I've been to a movie, it was just starting, that people are beginning to talk back to the screen. From what I hear comedians, it must be very common but can you imagine, doesn't, surely if you're an ordinary person, I've heard somebody somewhere say that, it, that they're embarrassed for the person who will suddenly stand up and holler at the screen, look out, Mabel, he's hanging behind the thing. You know, about some you know, killer and he's waiting, and somebody will stand up and holler. There people do it at the TV. You understand? I'm saying that it's possible that one day you'll suddenly come to your senses and you'll feel exactly like that's what you're doing, that you caught yourself doing that. After years of shaking your head in pity that somebody would holler out at a movie screen or a television set, look out, Mabel, he's hiding behind the door with a knife. Don't go in there! Don't go in there! You think, Jesus, how, how stupid could somebody be? You shouldn't ask that question. Well, I guess I never point out. That's one question I never ask, just between me and you. I, I never ask that. That is one question. That is one thing I do not entertain in my personal house. 
is that question of how stupid can you be? Based upon my previous experience and knowledge, I do not want to know. <laughs> I'd prefer not to know in advance. There were other parts tonight that I'm out of time, but I don't believe you saw that there was a thread tying all this together when I was bringing up again the yellow circuit being the one wherein we apparently, the man apparently has the ability to muck about with the lower circuitry. I got a task. I brought, I've mentioned this years ago in a similar fashion, but not exactly like this as far as I'm concerned. Uh, several times recently I've mentioned moving around or trying to move around in your own head, in your own brain, even though you ball scientific reports the brain has no, quote, feeling. But to move around in your head, to find out at any particular time just where is it right now in my head that seems to be where I'm conscious. The right now, if I'm thinking, it's me thinking I'm looking for it, can I find that it seems to be somewhere in particular, like in the center of my head? If so, try to shift it. But this, this is back to, anyway, this is a variation. And I would recommend it with walking, doing something. And walking is, I would think, is the best, most conducive to doing this. Go out for a nice, relaxed, leisurely walk. And just as soon as you get out, hit the sidewalk and start going. Try immediately. As soon as you get the pace going, is move the sensation of your brain of consciousness from your head down to the small of your back. I'll give you a hint. If you do it right, you don't need anybody to stand around and criticize your posture. It will, you'll feel something. It's known as mysticism on the hoof. Oh, by some sad news, uh, through the grapevine, I hear that, again this year, I have not been nominated for <clears throat> Mystic of the Year so, by the official committee. That concludes this talk. Be sure to visit us at jancox.com, where you can search through 3,000 talks for topics of interest, or just leave us a message.